Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Welcome back to Game of Thrones 2 Electric Bukaloo. I'm your host, Anthony. This week, I'm very excited to feature a fan roundtable to talk about Tyrion's darker motives, his darker personality traits, whether Shay is lying to Tyrion, and our first little window into Varys' backstory. So I'm very excited to talk about this with Ray and Robin and Steve. We do have a few sound quality issues for this podcast, and Robin's feed drops out altogether a couple times. But other than that, I found this conversation highly enjoyable. I hope you do too. Without further ado, here is the gang. You have a few things to plug, Robin. Let's get him out of the way. I might want to edit these out. <laughs> no, no. I just wanted to say that like my socials and that I have a podcast about relationships. Well, let's hear it. 
Okay. Well, if you want to find me on socials, I'm Robin Robotron on all of them. Robin with a Y, because uh, my uh, dad wanted me to be different. Then I also have a podcast uh, with my friend Robot Liz. It's called Relational Circuitry, and it is about relationships of all types. Fantastic. And Steve, you also have a podcast. I do. Yeah. I'm tech. My daughter's texting me right now. So I'm obligated to text her back real quick. I'm that's sorry about that's that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about your podcast. Your podcast is a sweet child of time. Right. And it relates to the Ooh. wheel of time mm-hmm. adaptation or the books or both. Um, the adaptation, but I'm going to go into the books pretty soon here. Okay. Um, basically I have like a TV recap podcast and I guess what sets us aside a little bit is I have a, a film critic, Lindsay Dunn, who I do it with, and she does written recaps like for the written page. So I bring her on, we're friends. I bring her on and she reads her recap word for word. And then we stop every paragraph or two to, you know, discuss things. And I'll like throw in stuff that I noticed that she might not have brought up. And your podcast is also about relationships. Sure, the interrelationships between podcasters. That's <laughs> well, right. wonderful, wonderful. And then uh, Ray, uh, uh, do you have a podcast? <laughs> would you like? Would you like a podcast? Can let's, I? Can let's I? Let's start I, a new I mean, podcast, Ray. Yeah, I'm trying to. I was just trying to sound be funny enough so that you keep asking me to come back. Maybe you'll hire me. You want to hire me, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I feel like the world needs at least one more podcast. Why not? Hey, there's never enough. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I'll just go ahead and make sure that every that our names are associated with our voices. Hello, I am Anthony. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm Robin. Hello, I'm Steve. So, if you haven't gathered yet, this is a fan roundtable. I sometimes I, I like to take the juiciest chapters, the chapters that I find juiciest, and I like to gather a group of people together that I've had interesting interactions with, either on email or in previous formats. And uh, so today uh, I am joined by uh, Ray and Robin and Steve. And I should also mention that uh, each of these folks are part of our House of the Dragon Fantasy Fantasy League, mm-hmm. the Storm Crows. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be our auction coming up shortly. So I'm looking forward to that. Got my little thingy yep. right here. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk Tyrion, shall we? Yes. First I... impressions of this chapter. Anyone? I, w- I was really, I was really excited when you said uh, to join you for the for a Tyrion chapter, and even more excited when I found out this was the chapter that uh, that you picked. Um, yeah, I think I, it, it kind of gets broken down into three big sections, and then all and all three sections are like bangers right mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm excited to get into it i thought it was interesting that Tyrion goes starts in a sept and it ends in a brothel i thought that that was a nice little sort of <laughs> mini progression for his character yeah that's it it's his character arc in one chapter for the entire for the entire <laughs> series that's his character arc no it starts in a sept he goes to a brothel and then he winds up in like a a horse's stable or something like that. Uh, but you kind of see like the macro of the story and the micro of the story at the same time. Like Tyrion's really worried about these larger incidences of siege warfare 
and you know strategic planning but he's also he's also like taking a lot of time out of his schedule to scheme to get his bed warmer into the red keep gotta get his lady into the crib that's right (laughs) all right i'm gonna go ahead and read my introduction and then we can talk in detail about this chapter Lancel, continuing his duty as Tyrion's double agent, reveals Cersei's plan to hide Tommen at Rossby. After their secret meeting in the Sept, Lancel asks again to be given a place of honor in the coming battle. Tyrion dismisses the boyish knight, and then he takes some time to pray. And he tells Bran to have Bywater intercept the prince and establish himself at Rossby, He hints that Bywater will be made into a lord if all goes well. After a rendezvous with Shay, Varys brings word that Stannis has taken his ancestral fort at Storm's End. This, Tyrion thinks, will hasten the coming battle for King's Landing. Shay asks to be legitimized at court as Tyrion's lady. Tyrion refuses but seeks to bring her to the Red Keep before the siege, Varys suggests that she be hired as Lawless's maidservant. Varys also shares his experience with dark magic and a bit of his own origin story. Ray, let's start with you. Uh, Do you want to start with an observation or a question? I think I'll start with an observation. This is where you see all of the the deepest parts of of Tyrion's character and who he becomes. Yeah. And they're all are represented here, and they're all the things that got left out of the show, <laughs> right? Like how much he hates Cersei, <laughs> and the the conniving, and the the back the back, uh, I guess like the 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 deals that he's making after he gave up Marcella, and now he's dealing with Tommen out right. in the Riverlands. Uh, then you got Taisha comes up when you you when you hear the story of Taisha and. And his first "quote unquote" whore lover, yeah, and I, I, I just think like these are the parts of Tyrion's character that got left out of the show, and it's the reason why you see the drop off towards the end. Because in the beginning, it's the fun Tyrion, right? He gets to have he gets to have a trial. He gets to well, yeah, this is even um, before you know, that. have fun He's in the wall. Top, this is top of the world. He's at the top of the world. This guy, yeah, yeah, this is top Tyrion. Like these, but this chapter are the parts that you need for the later parts of Game of Thrones, right? Like, we loved Tyrion from season one through four because of the things Mm -hmm. he did, right? The later seasons, he kind of fell off. From, like, season five on, he fell off because the character character that was built in these, like, in a chapter like this is not there. I I, I guess that's 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 what I was thinking about the whole time reading this chapter. It's like, this is the Tyrion that's missing in the later seasons of Game of Thrones. This is like one chapter that's like a full body Tyrion. Because like you said, he's, um, we see him in the Sept praying. That's not normal. Uh, We see him slapping Shay. That's not normal. He apologizes to her. We see him being like really sweet about Tommen. But then we see him like, you know, being really uh, bitter about this singer. Um, There's like a whole swell of like emotions. And it's like really brings like a, a, full character to view like when you take all those little things into respect it's interesting about what y'all are saying is because i was thinking because he doesn't actually go to the brothel in this chapter he just goes straight to shay 
Oh, right. And yep. I was just looking over the chapter again, and I was thinking that he had heard about Courtney Penrose and everything at Storm's End before he went, and that's why he was running so fast, but that's not true. He finds that out after from Varys. And so what I'm thinking, <laughs> listening to y'all guys talk about Tyrion right now, is that because he is on top of the world, he is starting to feel that it might come crashing down on him, and he's starting to panic a little bit. Making some bad calls, too. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, everything's going right for me. Everything's going my way. And this is not how it normally goes when dealing with my family, you know? Because mm -hmm. he's the one that gets the lower end of the stick with them all the time. And now he's actually doing well. But he's like, I got to get to my girl. Something's wrong. Yeah. Ray, do you feel like Tyrion in this chapter is acting wisely. <laughs> I mean, he, he has a, uh, a bit of um, the way he acts with Shay has always been reckless to me. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is like a big him and Shay chapter. Um, but I always thought aside from Shay, like aside from Tyrion's wants and, and quest for love, he always acts rationally and with a clear head. It's usually when love is involved. Where he starts going amok, right? Anything he's done with Shay, the stuff he did with Taisha, when there's women involved, that's when he starts or I acting think, crazy. You know, you mentioned later season Game of Thrones. I was thinking he kind of becomes foolish with Danny too. Like it, whenever there's a woman he falls in love with, at at some level, mm -hmm. he begins to act foolishly. And it's it's like his one Achilles heel that I feel like Martin is pretty consistent mm -hmm. with. Yeah, and I think I think he'll keep up with it when he does finally meet her. If he finally meets her, who knows? Maybe we'll <laughs> never get the new book. But if it does happen, I'm assuming that yes. Well, yeah, and I think he's trying to he it feels like he's trying his best to be cautious with welcome back, Robin. He's trying his hey. best to be cautious about how he deals with, I think he calls her her lady love. I think he uses the word love mm -hmm. in this chapter. Uh, almost, you're almost getting a little glimpse into him. So it's sort of like, even though he's trying to be cautious, he just can't help himself. He's, he's going to, he's going to race the horse mm -hmm. right to her house He's not like mm -hmm. you said, Robin. He's not going to go through the, the the little. He doesn't have time. Brothel subterfuge like he normally does. And um, thanks for calling that out because I I did think he had gone to the brothel, but you're totally right. And he almost says like, if Cersei's got spies, they better be as fast as this horse. And he he basically races mm -hmm. through Flea Bottom to get to her, and he sees the singer, and he. Let's him go. Like he almost he threatens him go, the right? singer, but he doesn't really do anything no. about the singer at this point. He he's got he ends up doing something about the singer much later in the story. Yeah, that's but it's fun. almost like he's trying to be cautious, but he just can't help himself when it comes to. But Shay. it's juxtaposed perfectly with how smart he is about, um, you know, getting Tom into mm. safety and like taking Cersei's plan and recognizing that as that's a pretty good plan. But I'm going to put my own little spin on it. Yeah. So he's think he's thinking with his full mind when it comes to yeah, fully wise, fully intellectual when it comes to anything other than women. He just completely becomes mm -hmm. a fool. Mm -hmm. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, because of the experience with Taisha. 
I think that there might be a few of those in this chapter. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Robin, what interested you most about this chapter? Well, the thing with me is the stories. There's two stories in this chapter that are important that they offer completely out of context in the series, the TV series. So the Taisha story, in the TV series, he tells Bronn mm -hmm. and Shay at the same time, like right when he first meets Shay, and um, it's like part of a drinking game scenario. Like he mm -hmm. never wants to talk about it, but that's not how Tyrion actually is. I feel like book Tyrion, he uses the Taisha story as a way to read people and gauge whether he can trust them or not based on how they respond to it. Mm. Because he tells Bronn, because I, I had to just look it up today, he tells Bronn when they leave, after they leave the Eyrie about it. And that's when Bronn says, I think I'd kill somebody who did that to me. And like, if Bronn hadn't have said that, if Bronn had said something different, like mainly making them think that like Tywin's a badass for it mm. or whatever, you mm. know? then he would not have yeah. gone on to trust Braun the way that he does. And when he tells Taisha, he is, or when he tells Shay the story, it's because he is afraid of, because of the singer, he's afraid that she's going to get found out. And he knows how cruel his father is and what his father will do to her to hurt him. You know? Well, he also calls out how, how helpless he is against his own family. Like, He's almost like, yeah. when it comes to the politics of Westeros, I've got armies that I can bring to the bring to bear. When it comes against my father or my, my siblings, nothing. I, all I have are these legs and this twisted spine. So he knows exactly the peril he's in if he ever does have to go against his family. Exactly. And the same with Varys's story. Varys tells his story about being cut to talk about how dangerous and scary magic is. And the fact that Stannis is using this dark magic means shit is getting really serious in a way that Tyrion doesn't understand. Mm. And in the series, he just tells him that story. It's like an offside. He's like kidnapped the old sorcerer <laughs> and has him in a crate. And he tells right. Tyrion that story and it makes it about like revenge or whatever. But it's, not, but it's really about like, this guy's getting into some really serious stuff and we need to not um, take that for okay. granted. I've got a question for the group here. I want everyone to weigh in on this. Varys, this is when we first hear about Varys's origin story, mm -hmm. right? We hear about how he was cut because of dark magic. He, the voice comes through the flame. He gets sent off. He, he becomes a child prostitute for a long time. And he becomes a pickpocket. And then he starts stealing secrets instead of stealing right. money. Should we trust Varys? <laughs> Is this a story? Is this a story that he's telling Tyrion? Right. Or is this the truth? I was wondering that too. Sorry, that was that was my question. So my, the question that I was going to bring to the table was, do we think what Varys saw was real? Right? Do we believe him? Do he says at the very beginning, or Tyrion observes that um, Varys' voice changes and it like uh, has like a different timber to it when he's telling this story, which could be like a sign mm. that it's a rehearsed mm. lie. 
of course, Varys is a Varys is a master of lying. So then it's like a double um, negative kind of thing. It's like, well, maybe I'll, <laughs> if I pretend like <laughs> I'm like nervous, then that's the best way for me to tell a convincing lie. But yeah. like Robin, there is like a show and a book version. So the book version has not really been verified, but the show version in a way kind of it, this story has been verified because when at some point in one of the seasons we won't speak of, um, there's a red priestess that he, that Varys comes upon. And the red priestess is like, I know what that voice was you heard in the flames. And Varys is all like, what? So yeah, like, that's true. That that's adds true. a lot of credence to the story. Yeah. Yes. Seasons. That, <laughs> That's, that's what I said. Like I don't know how much stuff. credence we can put no, to it. <laughs> that doesn't some exist. My, some of my favorite moments of the, yeah. the entire series were in season seven. Yeah. I, I will say this. Now, Ray, you, you said that this was your question, so I'll go ahead and chime in on this. I feel like I want to trust him. I feel like I don't know anything about this guy's motives. He's such a fascinating character. If he's lying, I feel like his lies are working on me as a reader. I want to trust that this is true. I want to. I want the, there to be someone who just hates dark magic so much <laughs> that that Stannis made an enemy that he didn't know he made. Stannis has no idea that he's made an enemy out of Varys. And is there anyone in the entire <laughs> books that you do not want as an enemy? I feel like. I want to believe that Varys hates dark magic this much. Yeah, I think uh, I I think he got you, man. I think he got you. I think this is part of. Uh, I think this is part of like, y'all Martin. They say that Martin does like the three step reveals or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and, and you you touched on it, Steve, when his voice changed. Right, that I I felt like, and I listened to it. I don't. I didn't read it like a book. I listened to the audio book. Mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? Roy Detrice, the guy who yeah, reads Dotrice. the guy yeah, yeah. Dotrice. Yeah, he changes his voice at that particular moment to sound more like stern and serious. So <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> okay, interesting. I think the voice that he that we are hearing from Varys throughout most of it is the mummer, right? Is the 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 voice that he's putting out there, and it's not until he's like talking about. Uh, this thing that happened where he starts to get serious. Um, I don't know. Wait, maybe did I just talk myself into believing him? <laughs> Hold on. Wait, did I just, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Did I just talk myself into he's believing acting him? acting all the time, but in this one moment, he's authentic. And that's what yeah, his voice changed. Like that's his authentic voice. Yeah. There's also, wait a second. I also think he's, he's letting, he's letting Tyrion know a little bit more about him. What's, that's why I believe that I believe that it's true, and that he is because Tyrion he's got all this on Tyrion, and so he's like I should probably let him in but maybe, a little bit. And I don't know. I also think that like the whole thing about Varys being mistrustworthy, and I feel like Anthony, you've talked about this on the podcast before. Is like he doesn't really lie ever, on the record, like on the record. <laughs> He likes to use the truth to deceive, which is always the best kind of deception. Yeah. We're talking wheel he... of time stuff here. There's like a, there's like a chapter of women called I Sedai, mm-hmm. and they actually cannot lie. They're physically incapable of lying 
So they use the truth to tell lies and they use the truth to deceive. So this is in my home territory. Mm. That yeah. sounds like some Isaac Asimov stuff. Yeah. I have a point to make though, that, that may point to Varys being a liar though. I hate to say to like bring up another point. Okay. Um, we know that he was in cahoots with the, uh, with the other fellow whose name escapes me. Um, somebody help me out. Illyrio. Illyrio. Illyrio Mopatis. Right on. And they're, they're all about the Valerians, right? They're like kind of, they were kind of like wanting the Valerians to come back to power and wanting to get oh, the Targaryens. Targaryen, yeah. Valerians. Targaryen. I misspoke. The Targaryens, right. And aren't the Targaryens the ones that are most closely aligned with magic more than any other house that is? I mean, it's a dragon house. Are we. Are we certain? Are we certain that Illyrio and Varys are in cahoots, or is Varys also playing Illyrio? Huh. That's that's another question that I have. <laughs> Don't blow my mind, Anthony. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Varys is unsure. He doesn't know what's going to happen, so like he's putting his eggs in different baskets. That's true. I, I like. He's that. like, you know, this is this like young that. girl. We don't know what's going to come of her. Let's just yeah. toss her over there and see what happens. Getting into Varys and Illyrio's intentions is a rabbit hole that'll keep us here for like seventeen hours. <laughs> it's true, right? Although like- <laughs> I love Varys. I love Varys, and I love that we're getting a little glimpse. It could be a deception, but we're getting a little glimpse into what motivates him. He's not just a power seeker, this guy. He's got other things that he cares about. Yeah. Deeply personal things. Yeah. Personal vendettas that he's. <laughs> well, it's like he cares about the realm. He's got to see he what's going to happen. He wants the realm to help people like him, to help the downtrodden, <laughs> which, you know, you kind of got to admire that on its face anyway. But even so, even so, even if dark magic I don't I don't know if he's completely utilitarian. I do think that like he's got a vendetta against dark magic. Even if it was sort of like you could use dark magic to bring peace to the realm, I don't know if he would be on board with that. See, I think it's not all magic. It's like the specific kind of like shadow demon baby, you know. Like he would he would dig those. And the kind that involves, you know, mutilating children. I also, I also try to be wary where I think about (laughs) if all the magic that's being presented in the books is real or are like hallucinations and stuff. Because, like, you know, like you got on one side Stannis and um, Melisandre and what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and then like. Varys just got cut. Like he could very well just be hallucinating whatever sure. he heard in the flames, or like it doesn't. I don't think all the magic in that is ever written in this show is always like one to one. Well, he was also right? dosed with something. Mm-hmm. It would. It didn't dull his pain. Yeah, yeah. It just kept him paralyzed, but he still felt everything. Yeah, he couldn't move or speak. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which means he could have been in like delirious pain. Absolutely. Yes, and just heard random stuff in the fire. That's right. right. So, yeah, I think not all magic is magic in Game of Thrones. That's what I was going to ask. You were going to say, Robin? Oh, I was just going to ask, Ray, if you thought that Varys was lying outright or if he was misinterpreting Mm -hmm. what was going on at the time. So I think that's the part that did he really hear something in the flame or was it just um, like he believes. I think Varys believes what happened happened. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that there was some force in, in, in this flame here. 
I think you need a red woman. I kind of agree with that too. That I, I agree with that. He did hear something at that moment. I don't know if it was magic or not. I don't mind. I'm brave enough to speak about this. I'm a neurodivergent person. I have, I've heard voices that don't exist. I have seen things that are not there. And it's easy to like, when you're in that frame of mind to like slip out of reality and believe that what you saw was real. So it's, well, human yeah. perception is, is so much about projection. It's not just about receiving the world around you. It's also about what you're projecting onto the world, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. it, it could very well be, could very, you know, he could be telling the truth. And, but I mean, I mean, look, dude just, dude just had his twig and berries cut off, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's seeing, there's, he's seeing something wild. It's pretty traumatic. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because it says root to stem. So I don't know if the berries, just, the berries may still be there. I'm pretty sure it's all gone, man. Oh, that's weird. I don't know. I, I spent, I spent way too much time thinking if <laughs> what's going on with, <laughs> with Varys. All right, I just want to, I want to call out one more thing about Varys. All right. Okay, go ahead. This could be all a lie. It could be that he's not a eunuch at all. Oh, right. Do we have any proof about any of this? Right. It could be that he. Let's the story be known about him that he's a eunuch, so that people do not overestimate him. Sure. You know, in, in other words, people will not see him coming. He's so good at disguises. How much of this is all just part of the disguise? I, I don't think I don't think you can fake that. I don't think you can fake I, that. I still believe like, it happened. I think this way too. Look, look at how much trouble Arya had hiding her gender. Right, like when she was like in the woods peeing or She's a kid. like. Mm-hmm. There was like there was a whole thing about like trying to hide. Like, you really think um, Varys can hide the fact that he has junk? I do. I th- I th- for he's for a expe- really long time. For, for that long of a time, he's an experienced mummer. Been on stage, knows how to do stuff like that. I mean, can't wear tight. Can't wear tight pants. <laughs> like, I mean, I- long flowing robes cover up. A that's lot. right. That's right. Well, do they? I wonder, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if we go back and see what he's oh, wearing. Tuck and roll. Tuck and roll, baby. If Varys isn't showing outward attraction to women uh, in court, chances right. are they would never question him. Because, like, that's when it becomes an issue. Like, when you have to prove you're a eunuch <laughs> is when, like, you know, you got to work with the women, you know, and be like, well, we can... Can't trust any of them, so you know. Varys could talk his way out of that. I think if somebody was like, "I need you to disrobe," I need to examine your genitals. Varys, I think, could could talk his way out of that situation. I believe he could. I mean, it depends. If he came to King's Landing like as a much younger man, I like that we're talking openly about genitalia as forthright as we are. Why don't we move on? Um, <laughs> Steve, have we asked for your observation yet? I feel like maybe no. we haven't done that yet. Um, I'm going to go back to Tyrion, I guess, then. Um, this is not an observation about Tyrion, necessarily. It's just an offhand remark that was made um, about a, a wager that Dancy, one of the prostitutes at Chadayaya's, had made. Yeah. And she had um, bet somebody else, like some black pearls, that she could get Tyrion to sleep with her. Um, and... You know, the, the bet was like, oh, he's not going to do that because he loves Shay so much. Well, Dancy lost that bet. Tyrion did not sleep with her and did not fall for her advances. And he stayed true to Shay. So I think that's just, you know, just another offhand proof that, you know, Tyrion is desperately head over heels in love with Shay so much that he 
makes bad decisions? Uh, first, I got to point out that they don't think it's Shay. Nobody knows about Shay. They think it is um, Chataya's daughter. Right. That's right. Who is a summer islander. That's right. And they think that's who he's spending all of his time with. And she right, is actually right, the one who gets right. beaten. The subterfuge. Because that's about who that. the bed is with. And of course, she knows he's not going to do it because he's not interested in her. But I do have to say that when he marries Sansa, he talks about being attracted to her and wanting her in that moment and he talks about you know the whole idea of like and if it's never and then my watch <laughs> begins like yeah if sansa was into it Tyrion would probably have no problem doing it without a doubt <laughs> like, and it's like and it's like what he what he said about tysha and about like what tyson what tyson um what tywin did to her and that like he should have not done it at the end but you know his cock betrayed him and he had to do it and it's like that's just like okay to right you didn't really have to you could have like <laughs> taken your cock somewhere else and taking care of it somewhere else but you did it anyway because you believe now that she was uh selling her body and thus you know deserved all of it like that's another thing that really sucks is that like Tyrion is hurt more it's like he, he talks more about being hurt by like jamie and stuff but like he feels more animosity towards taisha okay because I, he never turns against jamie i want to talk since we're already here i want to ask this question i noticed that you know we were talking about deception i noticed that shay is caught lying in this chapter and i think that this foreshadows her betrayal in later books. She says, my father made me his kitchen wench and that's why I ran away. And then Tyrion's like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought your father was sexually abusing you. And that's why you ran away. And she like kind of saves it. You know, she kind of like, well, both are true, mm -hmm. but I think this maybe is our first indication that, Shay is not telling Tyrion the truth Absolutely. about where she comes from or what her motives are. I think that just comes from being a sex worker, especially in that time period. You don't want to tell everybody everything about you. That's you want to keep yeah, some that's, shit private. That's true, but but that would also say that you know you're just giving a different reason for the lie. Mm -hmm. She's, I think, she is lying. I, I think, think it's we well established, that. yeah, that she that he met her like in Tywin's camp. So it seems pretty likely that she's of that. And that was actually my one of my questions that I was going to bring to the forefront, Anthony. Is now an appropriate time to ask that question? Yes, please. Mm -hmm. um, is Tywin testing Tyrion through Shay in this chapter? I think there's a couple of points here that could point to that. Um, because, you know, Tywin explicitly says, don't take her to court. And that's what she's asking for in this chapter is to take me to court and figure out some way to do it. Uh, another thing she does that's questionable that I think might've been brought about by Tywin is she, she suggests killing Cersei. That's kind of out of character for her. And I think that might've been mm -hmm. something maybe Tywin might've, you know, been like, you know, throw this past Ty th Tyrion and see what he says about this one. See how he reacts to this. And he reacted the way he should Interesting. have. I hadn't thought about that. So you're saying Shay is a plant from the beginning? Yes. Yeah, I think I think that too. I think I with think so Shoshay, 
Shoshe. Shoshe. Because they aged her up for the show. <laughs> yeah. And so that Shay, I feel, would have been in league with Tywin and it, under his orders. But Book Shay at 18 years old, uh-huh. I think not. I think that she is just excited to be there and she does not want to be stuck at this place alone. Although I do think that I do see Steve's point about she really is pushing going to the castle. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that Tywin would suggest killing Cersei. No, no, I, I just no, can't no. See he, him do, he would say to her, like, propose that proposal to Tywin. Well, to no, Tyrion, that's what I mean. Just to I see how think, he reacts. I don't think he would even bring it up. Hmm. I don't think he would trust a sex worker enough to have her not decide to just do it herself. Well, like you said, she's eighteen. <laughs> and be like, hey, I could do this and move on. I think she's like a starry at eighteen year old. But I really think that she is hurt. Yeah, and I think in the yeah. in the book when she turns on on um, Tyrion, that it is because she is hurt. She yeah. thinks that he is in league with Sansa, and he didn't do what she wanted, and so and she doesn't have anywhere else to go, you know, because Tyrion's now in jail. She has nothing <laughs> other than to turn herself over to Cersei and Tywin. Because what else would she do? Ray, you were going to chime in and, and say something about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of blowing my mind. I've never thought about that. And I'm trying to think, like, if Tywin is capable of having, like, that close of a relationship with a prostitute, given his history, um, like, with his father and his stepmother or, or something, right? Like, can, is he capable of um, having such a close relationship with uh, a uh, you know, a prostitute where he's using that person to manipulate his son. Yeah, that's what I think. So I think he wouldn't trust her. Hmm. Well, this was first posed to me in an email a couple years ago. And I, I, I'm sorry if you're listening and you sent the email. I don't remember who sent it, but just breaking in to give credit to John T, who emailed me at book at baldmove.com suggesting that maybe, just maybe, Shay was Tywin's plant all along. Thank you, John. The person who emailed me initially about this made a great point, and that is right after Tyrion meets Shay for the very first time, Bronn goes and collects her, steals her from some other knight who's not happy about it. Bronn brings Shay to Tyrion's tent. Tyrion leaves the tent the next morning, goes to eat with his father. His father says, you're going to be handed the king, go to court. Do not bring that whore. The emailer asked this question, how does Tywin know about Shay already? And then we fast forward all the way to the end and we find out that Shay is warming Tywin's bed. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, when did that relationship begin? Yeah. And... It could have been. It could be that she was a plant from the very beginning. Yeah, I think. I think it's possible. I'm just not buying Tyron's close relationship with a prostitute. Like given, given his history, he's close enough to sleep with her eventually. Well, that's, not, that's not that close. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking about cahoots and plans and like. Yeah, I don't think he would put enough faith in her. Have, getting inside, getting getting inside information from your son. That's a really deep 
close. That's a closer trust. personal relationship and a level of trust that you have that I don't think Tywin yeah. would give to a sex worker given his history. I agree with you. I don't think Tywin would give that to any woman. I think that he would have an intermediary, like somebody <laughs> like the Master of Spies. Not not in this case, not Varys. But, you know, Tywin has to deal with all kinds of things as like a man of importance. So he has to have butlers make his bed and, you know, draw his bathwater and make his meals and stuff like that. I don't think he would take any of those servants aside and tell them what to do, but he would tell the head of the servants, you know, make sure this guy's doing his thing. Um, probably the same way with Shea. Yeah. I think there's probably like an intermediary involved, like Braun, perhaps. I think it's too many, too many people find out about a conspiracy. It's, exactly. It's I think that's too big of a conspiracy. Tywin is too shrewd. Too big of a shrewd. He would keep it all to himself. Okay, here's a new theory. Okay. Never been oh, proposed what? before. Shay is actually a faceless man. Oh. <laughs> and Tywin, with his considerable wealth, has hired someone like Jack and Hagar to come along, pose as a sex worker. She's not a prostitute at all. He's spending a lot of money to bring in someone to spy on Tyrion and make sure he knows what his son's motives are. Yes? No. That's the worst, faceless, that's the worst faceless man I've ever heard in my life. Just think about it. Why? Right? Like, like why? Apparently, getting a faceless man is really expensive. So They can so, afford that, so, though. No, no, no. But the, the, the thing is, is why? Like, why would you want this to get intel on his son to make sure his son is? He knows fit. his son has a weak spot yeah. for okay. sex workers, <laughs> and he thinks this is the best way to spy on my son. For what outcome? What's the end? What's the end game? Right? Is the end game? I need information to justify killing him. Do I need information so that I can steer Tyrion towards mm-hmm. towards? Uh, you gotta look for the motive. Being able to run Castle Rock, right? Like mm-hmm. if the motive if the motive is uh I don't think any of the motives that we can come up with would justify some elaborate faceless man. <laughs> so like mission impossible. Yeah, like those people were hired to kill Valerians, right? Like they had dragons. <laughs> like this little dwarf in King's Landing doesn't need a faceless man to point. find out what's what's doing what what he's doing. All right, agree to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm I'm half. I think that not with the faceless man, but I think that TV show Shay, yes, book Shay, no. <laughs> All right, um, group discussion questions. I thought it was interesting that um that Braun can't read. That this is when I discovered this. Yeah, I think that this is one way that Martin is trying to make this feel like an authentically medieval place where like reading is something that you can be schooled on if you have enough wealth and class. And uh, even then, by and large, most people, most commoners do not know how to read. And of course, Braun is one of the very few commoners that we actually have a strong relationship with in this yeah. in these books. So it, make, it would make sense that he doesn't. Even it. lords don't read in in some of the, and some lords don't even read in this world. That's that's why they have the maesters. Like the maesters will read to them, and that's why they, everyone thought mm-hmm. that the maesters were were full of shit. Like maybe <laughs> they weren't reading the right stuff. Yeah, this reminds me of Varys too, because Varys one of his early tricks was to steal people's secrets. He would go and like have somebody you know look at their books, transcribe the books. 
like on another page and bring that to him. And the person who was bringing it to him couldn't read. They were just following like the, the wavy lines on the page, but that's a pretty ingenious yeah. way that, that, um, Varus <laughs> used yeah. unread people, people that couldn't read. Yeah. Well, doesn't he say that he actually teaches people to read? He, te- he, he then evolved to teaching the kids to read so that then the person that they were stealing from so. would, would so. never even know <laughs> that something was missing. Someone's got to worry about the education of the, the youth of King's Landing. Sure. Why not? That's Varys, why he right? cares about the people. Yeah, Ver- you didn't hear about Varys's no child left behind policy down in Flea Bottom? <laughs> Come on, man. No child left behind. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask this question, and that is Tyrion prays to the warrior god, the face of the face of the seven face god that is the warrior. And he prays for his brother, Jamie, says he's one of yours, lights a candle, right? That makes sense. And then he goes and prays for himself by lighting a candle to the stranger. Yeah. And my question is, why does Tyrion associate himself with the stranger? Because that's what society has deemed him to be. As a dwarf, he he is always going to be the stranger, and he also killed his mother. So, <laughs> well, yes, allegedly he came into the world with death. I hadn't thought about the mother part of it. That's, that's maybe it's the one he identifies the most with because I'm thinking about the other ones, and um, he's not going to identify with the female characters because you know he's a, a, a Game of Thrones guy. So <laughs> that leaves the father, the warrior. There's one more. What is the what? the builder? Yeah, something like that. That's right. Which you know he has a small body that he can't do that kind of stuff with. That that leaves the stranger, the smith. The right. smith. That's right. If he wants to be religious, that's that's the the closest he's got to somebody to identify to. I was doing a little bit of research on what the stranger represents, and in general, he represents death. And he can be, you know, he's he's sort of gender fluid, but they usually call him a, a he. But he's also not necessarily human, and he represents death most prominently. He also represents something like um, sort of a figure for outcasts. Yeah. So I was thinking that might be along the lines of what you were saying, Robin. Like that's how he identifies himself as an outcast. Yeah, that's how he's treated. The only thing that gets him anything is that he's a Lannister. In many ways, he's kind of like. At the top of the top of the heap, mm-hmm. I mean, he's sort of like the at the center of power. He's like ruling the capital of the city, but he's still the imp. So, but he's the still demon. himself. Yeah, that's okay. right. He's still trapped in himself. I think that's how it ends the chapter, yeah. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Wait, how does the chapter end? I forget. Yeah, he says something like the cities they they don't they don't have they don't have. Yeah, there you go. Here, let's see. I'll read. If, uh, don't you see the jest, Lord Varys? Tyrion waved a hand at the shuttered windows at all the sleeping city. Storm end is fallen, and Stannis is coming with fire and steel, and the gods alone know what dark powers, and the good folk don't have Jamie to protect them, nor Robert, nor Renly, nor Rhaegar, nor their precious knight of flowers. Only me, the one they hate. He laughed again. The dwarf, the evil counselor, the twisted little monkey demon. I am all that stands between them and chaos. So even though he's at the top, they still hate him and see him as beneath them. 
And he sees himself the same way too. He's a pretty self-deprecating guy. Okay, that's a very strong argument. I do think that there's another way to look at this. And I think I probably agree with you on that, but let me just throw out this other option first. He he lights a candle in front of the god of death, and then he goes and sees Shay. Is this literary foreshadowing that he will eventually kill Shay? I don't know. You know, he's a gardener kind of writer, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he planted that as a foreshadow or if that you know kind of happened along the way. Very interesting observation. Um, mm-hmm. Is this the only time he uh, he does this to the stranger? He doesn't go to the sept very often. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't. Okay, in Dance of Dragons, he's on a ship on his way to Illyrio, and he has this this full on chapter where he's praying to the father over and over and over, and he associates the father with his own father who he's just killed Ag- again. <laughs> Someone he's killed. And so he's praying and praying and praying, not to the stranger, but to the father in this case. So he does pray from time to time. Uh, in this case, he's praying to the stranger. And I'll also point out that he, he does have this singer, Simon the Silver Tongue, killed. He has Braun kill Simon and throw him in a bowl of brown or whatever. So there are at least two characters in this chapter that we meet that Tyrion kills. <laughs> I forgot about Simon. I thought he got off kind of easy. And now that you mention it, yeah. No, that's <laughs> after. He, does, he doesn't die till the next book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he lasts that long, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's after Cersei um, kills the wrong person, right? Right. Right, right, right. He like sings this song. He's got this song about Tyrion mm-hmm. that it's very thinly veiled that That's sort right. of reveals that he's in love with a prostitute and and he's uh, about to sing at the wedding at Joffrey's wedding. Right. So eventually he will have Simon killed. He gets to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, notable introductions in this chapter. Uh, we hear about Coppersmith's wind for the very first time. And, of course, we uh, meet Simon Silvertongue and his fat belly for the first time. Notable departures. Uh, we hear that uh, Courtney Penrose has exited the narrative. And before I move on to show differences, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about this business about Penrose because mm-hmm. it is this is the chapter where we hear confirmation that Stannis has used the smoke monster again. Mm-hmm. And it describes the event makes it sound like, okay, Mel did it again. Mel, Mel used the same trick one more time. She's assassinated the guy. And then of course, Penrose's nephew opens up the gates that was one of the questions that I told you I had a bunch of questions written down. That was one of my questions here. How exactly did Penrose die? <laughs> Cause it's interesting to think about if Tyrion was right, if it was just some faceless man or somebody sneaking in his room, something really, you know, no, it was the, it was that ghost because Davos was there. Davos wasn't there for Renly in the book. He's right. there for this one. So Davos knows right. what That's happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Because- 
he was there. No so, I mean, obviously. Davos sees the smoke baby <laughs> get birthed <laughs> and slide through the bars of the portcullis underground. Davos doesn't see anything else, but we do hear tell yeah. of the the murder in this chapter. I'm assuming he just the smoke baby just shoved him off the battlements because that's what they said happened. Just, he just jumped off the right battlements. Yeah. So instead of a ghost sword, it was easier. Just shove him off. I like to think he was like lured by like a beautiful ghostly image and (laughs) (laughs) smoke baby. Yeah. But they know they wasn't like Stannis. They know it wasn't suicide (laughs) because he was a, he was a dude that wanted to fight the very next day. So Mm -hmm. we know it was foul play. Robin, you had a few show differences that you wanted to point out. Did you already address those or were there more? I think I did. I mean, well, there is like the whole thing about how, Poor Courtney, Courtney Penrose, one of the seemed to be decent men in Westeros, didn't get any show um, credit. Nor yeah, did um, that's right. I don't know how to say his name because he's not in the not in the show. Jacqueline Bywater, Jacelyn Bywater. Yeah, I would say Jacelyn Bywater, but I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not. Yeah, neither will I. We'll never know. <laughs> unless yeah. George, unless George gets yeah. an interview about him. <laughs> After. Basically, after Renly dies, the soldier says, okay, <laughs> Stannis has Storm's End. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> the other major difference between the show and the books is that Sansa becomes a, a hybrid character with Lawless. She's the one that's almost raped. Mm-hmm. And now Lawless, in the book, Lawless is going to have Shay as a, as a maidservant. Have you ever been a handmaiden before? Yes. For whom? Lady Zorif. Lady Zorif. Lady Zorif. There is no Lady Zorif in this city. She wasn't in this city. Well, I don't know how they did things in that city, but in this city, handmaidens wait on ladies, not the other way around. And I don't have time to answer a thousand questions and teach you how to do your job. Do you want me to leave? Just brush my hair. And that's sort of a way to get Shay, Sansa and Shay in the same room at the same time. Yeah, they took a a lot of the everyone at court, like all the young ladies at court, and just merged them all into Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's yeah, kind of true. It's kind of true. Um, the other, let's see here. Of course, Simon, the silver tongue is not in the show. Um, oh, the, 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 the subterfuge with Tommen, Tommen's going to be, you know, they're going to dye his hair and send him off to Rosby. That, that, that doesn't happen in the show. The one, the one last thing I was going to point out that I probably said before was that Tyrion also mentions very, clearly that kin slain is accursed yeah. by the gods right and then of course you know so he he lights the candle to the stranger who's the god of death he goes and he, he goes to shay who's he's going to eventually kill he's going to eventually kill the singer right but he's also going to eventually kill his father and so this chapter kind of foreshadows that as well he he is saying with his own lips i will eventually be accursed by the gods right he's he 
in this chapter, he um, not only like Shay presents the, you know, you could just kill Cersei. And that's when Tyrion says, no, no, no. You know, anybody who does that's cursed. Uh-huh. But then like later on in this exact same chapter, he talks about how he used to um, daydream about hiring a faceless man to kill Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I think that points yeah. to, you know, he's, he's up for some foul play. <laughs> Foreshadowing that Shay is really mm-hmm. a faceless man. Yeah, there yeah. you go, Anthony. You got it. <laughs> Congrats. Well, I knew we would get there. I knew we'd get there at some point. Is that Kinslaying Taboo only uh, a Faith of the Seven thing? That's a good question. I, I don't think so because... No, the Starks um, don't do it either, and they're not for the Faith of the Seven. I think Craster has that view as well. That's right. He does. Is it and and Craster is up doing his own religion? Hmm, I'm thinking about Essos. Maybe just a Westeros. Or that, do they? I wonder. I couldn't see a good in... Braviosi man doing such. I could never see that. So, if... <laughs> well, thank you all for helping me cover this chapter. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. And I will see you all very soon for our auction. That's right. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>